Welcome to the Road to Zero, a future-proof podcast, as we explore the changing nature of our economy as we look for prosperity and opportunity in not only preserving, but also improving our environment. Then I was in the industry till about 2013, and now I've come back. But I've always been very interested in sustainable development and creating a healthy planet. And I live in East Vancouver, and I have a, a 10-year-old and uh, my husband and two cats. And I love doing a lot of photography and art when I'm not preaching hydrogen. Awesome. Yeah, and I noticed your background. Yeah, you work for some other energy firms. You work for the government of Canada. And even though it's stint at the UN, I see. Yeah, I started, um, I, um, I got an internship with uh, the Center for Human Rights in, in Geneva. And I'd been living in Paris at the time and was applying, for, uh, was applying for internships. And I really had wanted the UN Environment Program in Nairobi. Um, and they had rejected me at the time because I didn't have a master's degree. But I ended, you never know how life is going to work out, work out. I was working at the dreaded Planet Hollywood in Paris for two months, making some money. They hired me because I sounded like an American. And I decided with this one table, I would chat them up because they were American. And I knew I would probably get some tips because in Paris, you, you don't get tips very often from the, from the, from the Parisians. And so I, it was the first people that I told that I was looking for an internship. And she was a, a chief from one of the tribes in the U.S. And she, uh, she introduced me and I, I got to go around the fact that I didn't have a master's yet at the time and, um, and moved to Geneva. And my three-month stint in Geneva turned out to be uh, six years. Oh, wow. So my, my two months backpacking around Europe turned into seven years. Wow. What an adventure. Yeah, it was great. I didn't get to I didn't get to work in Nairobi like I'd wanted to, but um, but I was I was quite happy being at the Center for Human Rights and and understanding the UN system from the inside because wow. I've always looked at problems on a big picture big picture basis. So this really yeah. felt to me that I was getting a really big picture. Yeah, I really hear that background in sustainability, and now I see your with HTech. And what what are you guys up to at HTech? Oh, it feels so busy. I know that everybody is busy, but the company that I joined in September is so far further along than I thought they would be by this stage. It feels like it's like just, you know, with the amount that we've grown and how the industry has really taken off. And so I say since September because I, you know, I joined in September and we got an investment by Chart Industries in December. And that just has really allowed us to get some, you know, some wind under our wings, so to speak, and really start speeding up our projects and, and our growth. It's, it's really interesting. I've talked to a couple other companies. It's just kind of in the last year seems to really be moving and taking off and throughout the industry. Yeah, yeah. So we're um, opened our first commercial hydrogen station in, um, in Canada, in Vancouver in 2018. And now we have four stations in the lower mainland. We are in the process of building two more, one in, um, one in Kelowna and one in another one in Burnaby. And then we've got plans for another, another three. So, so another five or so in the next, 
couple of years in uh, in BC. Uh, we still have our we've got our station in in California, and we're looking to develop projects right now in Oregon and Washington. And we're involved in the Ace Tech project in Alberta, and as well are exploring some other projects in in Alberta. And we've got um, one fueling station in Quebec at the moment, and we have uh, two more that we're in the middle of um, sourcing equipment for. So things are really are, are really picking up. There's just a ton of a ton of interest and excitement out there, and um, and I'm really, really thrilled. And with HTEC, we look for the lowest carbon solution with every project we can do. We're we're very much a values-driven company, which is you know one of the reasons I wanted to join HTEC. And you will have you must have an interest in um, the health of our planet to join our company. Um, it's one of our values. We have. Um, you know, our values are uh, pioneering, balanced, and attitude. And, um, and so our attitude is, is, is one around safety, but, but also about general attitude. And, and balanced is, is around um, you know, balancing the health of our planet, as well as how individuals make sure that we balance the health of ourselves and each other so that we can do the best job that we can do. And pioneering is all around uh, HTEC's um, you know, roots, but also we get involved in things that because we've been in the hydrogen industry for so long that we are pretty nimble in how we can um, go into provide solutions and and set up projects and bring people together and um, and so it's a really it's a really neat company to to come into and and I would say there's a very strong unspoken no jerk rule. <laughs> <laughs> A great modern sustainable company then it it really feels like it I feel really really lucky I've known I've known um, and worked with HTech since 2005 um, just from from the other side from the government perspective and then again when I was at Powertech Labs which is a subsidiary of BC Hydro and then looking at HTech for work when I was working with the Quebec government and so it's now it's nice to be on the um, on the inside team at HTech but um, they've always been the same, really great, innovative company. <laughs> it's, well, it's great because it, that's what you need in, in this day and age to really attract people and keep them. So it's great that they've got that kind of corporate structure. And and it, I guess it helps when you have that kind of mission, you know, to to align easily with that kind of structure as well. Yeah, we, um, you know, we're hiring a ton of people right now. And um, I don't know how many jobs we have up on our website at the moment. But at one point, we had about 10 and we'll we'll be adding just a lot. We're a, we're a team of around thirty, and and we'll be adding um, more all year. And you know, this is a, a big part of our 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 hiring process. And we get to that values point right away in our in our interviews. And even if we don't dress it immediately, we're listening for that when people mm. are telling us their 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 background. Yeah, well, it's a powerful thing when you align your people with the mission that that personally and mm -hmm. you, you've created a whole world i really want to get into and one thing i'm really hearing is is growth lots of growth lots of opportunity now what would you say and this is a common story here in the hydrogen industry what what has it that you it, within the last year you've hit what's driving that growth what, what is it out there that's actually having that opportunity really land and be available well, there's there's a lot of things really that have come together now as the it's sort of the perfect timing. So one hand, the governments 
all over the world are setting these zero emission vehicle targets and are going to stop the sales of, um, of, of gasoline vehicles. And, um, and you know what I was, I was just talking to uh, someone in Quebec this morning and, um, and we were talking about how, uh, the federal government wants to have all zero emission vehicles by 2030. The provincial government in Quebec was, I thought that they were looking at 2025. And there's, so there's just a huge opportunity there. Um, and combine that with the fact that price of renewables have plummeted over the last 10 plus years. The cost of even creating hydrogen has gone way down and the technology has got so many more, um, Miles on the tires, so to speak. You know, you look at, you look at even the, the, um, the buses that Ballard is working with. And, and there's millions and millions of miles on these buses now. It's just these, um, this technology has been out there for a long time. And I used to uh, sit on the advisory board of UC Davis back in the early 2000s. And I was working with all the major car companies and all the, oil and gas companies were all at the table. There's, you know, a small group of 70 of us and I was representing yeah, the government of Canada. And it was really neat to see where all these, all these people were going. And that was, you know, between 2003 and 2009. And the car companies all had, um, you know, electric vehicles and hydrogen and fuel cell vehicles as where they, where they wanted to go. And, um, and so it was really, it was a great opportunity to, to see that planning at um, at the early stages, but also to see, you know, these car companies all had cars, and and there's you know Toyota and Hyundai and Honda, um, they've come out with their commercial vehicles and Mercedes, um, but the other ones are, um, I mean, they've all had non-commercial vehicles, and, and they're all most of them are working on their vehicles, like BMW, Audi. Um, there's a lot in the light duty sense, and then. Um, and then we just look at the stuff that's that's coming in the in the heavy duty. And um, really, it's a point to be made that with all the development that's happened around vehicles, it's reduced the price of fuel cells and reduced the size, the price, the um, and improved the technology that then goes directly into these heavy duty applications, which is so needed. Um, it, but it's really that light duty market that has that is helping customer or uh, consumer awareness, public awareness in general, and is driving those costs down to, to, for us to see these benefits in these other industries like buses and, um, and heavy duty transport, like we're now going to see in Alberta. And so. Yeah, I know I, I had a chance to talk to um, a, a gentleman from the Azadak project as well. And, and I know you guys are actually providing a lot of that hydrogen infrastructure to actually make that happen. But what I'm, what I'm really hearing in this conversation is, I don't know if we're at a tipping point now, but it sounds like we're very close to it, if not at it, where the, the transition is really happening and accelerating. I'm, well, it's happening and it's accelerating around the world. Um, and it feels, it feels, I'm, I'm not sure if we're at the tipping point or not. We, we may be. <laughs> it, it just feels like there's just new stuff coming up every day and announcements of new projects and um, from trains to boats to heavy duty to, to you name it. Um, there's just a ton going on to, you know, Japan accepting uh, shipments of hydrogen from Australia. Um, 
so I think this will this will this will just increase. Um, I I think we're we're still in the in the early stages when you think that we only have a certain amount of technology out there right now. So so maybe you know we're I mean maybe we've passed the tipping point of it being acceptable, but we're not at the tipping point where we're um, fully engaged in the market yet. Yeah, the full yeah, not quite to the full transition yet, but definitely yeah. a, a marked acceleration in in how fast yeah. it's coming. Yeah, and the um, you know, you, I mean, I don't want to say great thing about COVID, but the great thing about COVID is it's proven that we can make changes as a you know, humanity can make changes pretty quickly mm. if we if we need to, and it just shows that we're we're pretty adaptable, and um, and and it showed like look how look look at the impact that COVID has had, and the impact of climate change is going to make COVID look like nothing. So, <laughs> so it's it's um it's I think it was a good a good opportunity to see how adaptable we can be, and um. And let's start preparing for this this change. Yeah, that's a good point. And it'll be interesting to see the really the full impact of, I guess, if you want to call it the big pause, and how it really allowed people to stop and look and 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 allow thinking to go in a different way. And, and that might have actually impacted this whole revolution as well, where people are, are looking at alternative or more willing to consider them. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And also examines uh, allows people to examine what do they really want to do and what do they want to leave behind for their kids if they have yeah. kids? And, and it's a, it's been a good pause and you're forced to spend a lot of time with yourself <laughs> and, and, and not, and not be running around. So it, I think it's, it's for a lot of us, it's, it's given us time to, to look inward and see what we really want. Yeah. Yeah, and and look at some of these big questions that you know you hear about, but you don't consider right that long term aspect, which is uh, which when you start looking at it, like action needs to happen, and and it's great that action is. And then one place I want to get more details is in exactly what you do uh, as H Tech. So so you have so it sounds like the main core of the business is the filling stations, really bring the hydrogen to the market. Sounds like to be your, yeah, your principal we have, aspect. Um... We have two two platforms. One's a technology platform and one's an infrastructure platform. So the infrastructure platform is all about our fueling stations and the um, the delivery of, of hydrogen and the production of hydrogen. Um, and so we're we've got um, a green green hydrogen production that is happening right now. We are we will be adding so we're getting green hydrogen. Um, right now, but we will be having our own electrolyzer in in a few months' time, and we're also looking at a uh, an eventual two-ton electrolysis facility to create our own hydrogen, and also a um, a large another large hydrogen production facility, and exploring many other projects. So that's so we're looking at creating um, creating that whole that whole piece of the puzzle for. Um, where does the hydrogen come from to how is it delivered to your stations and then actually dispensing it um, and um, owning and operating or just operating whatever the business model is of those, of that, those hydrogen facilities. And, and then we have our um, engineering, our technology solutions group, which is um, they provide engineering services to 
um, to companies who are looking at getting um, doing hydrogen projects. So, so, you know, this is a group of people that have been doing this stuff for many, many years and can provide consulting services and um, help people set up projects and um, all the, all the, the weird and wonderful that comes around hydrogen that we've been really lucky to be, um, to become experts in. Great. And, and your green hydrogen, so your, your, well, I guess the plan is you, cause right now it sounds like the production is happening somewhere else, but you will be getting your own uh, yeah. green hydrogen yeah, we, production. And is yeah, it, we have green hydrogen production at the moment, but we're, we're going to be building our own as well. Okay. And then where do you take your electricity? Is it just off the BC grid or do you have yeah, like, in, uh, okay. In BC, it's off the grid. And then we will, the same thing in Quebec. And in Quebec, uh, we'll be getting, we'll be getting hydrogen from Quebec. They produce a lot of hydrogen already. And so we won't be producing our own hydrogen, um, in Quebec, but we'll be transporting it to our stations as needed. And then in Alberta, of course, we're looking at blue hydrogen options and everything, everything's really on the table. It just comes down to what the volumes are, mm. you know, and looking at, um, renewable energy projects. I mean, Alberta has been so innovative and, and forward thinking in their, in their renewable energy. You know, I've attended a number of the wind conferences in Alberta and I was floored like the cheapest wind in the country was coming out of Alberta. That's where the most, uh, the most interest in the country was around, around wind power. And then there's some really innovative solar projects going on too. And, and, Somebody we were talking to the other day was talking about that they oversized their solar project because the uh, the panels were the cheapest part of the project, and so so this is really an opportunity then to look at even um, directly powering um, electrolysis from you know from distributed power. But this is a we don't have any of those projects in the works at the moment, but this would be one of my dreams for the future when things, uh, when things move along a bit. Yeah. Well, it, it's such a great combination of, and I think this is what you're seeing is the rise of, like I said, cheap renewable power and the fact that then you can convert it to hydrogen, which is cheaper than batteries. And then you can power a whole liquid industry with that. So it's a great win-win. Mm-hmm. I, I was really lucky in my early career with Natural Resources Canada, I sat on the International Energy Agency's Hydrogen Implementing Agreement um, working group for, um, it's a bit of a mouthful, it's integrated energy systems, but it was all hydrogen systems tied in with renewables. And so, you know, we got to go look at the station in Iceland, and I got to go and look at this really exciting project in the very north of Scotland, where early 2000s, they'd... um, they had three wind turbines that they were creating hydrogen from. And uh, when the wind was blowing, they were directly powering their building. And when the building had enough, they were creating hydrogen and they were powering a little car that had a Ballard fuel cell stack in it. And, and then they were, um, you know, powering the building at the times it wasn't windy. You know, and in northern Scotland, it's windy pretty much all the time. But, um, but it was really just amazing that they were doing this and, and the project is still going. I mean, this this group is is still is still a successful business, and that's like twenty years that they've been doing this remote renewable power, um, well, renewable and hydrogen power. 
Wow, that's great. So it sounds like you've, you've had the chance to see a lot of the industry in action and in development out of your career. Yeah, I, I have. I did in the end of, um, in 2009, I decided that I really wanted experience with um, not just hydrogen, but I wanted to start looking into distributed power, which is why I joined PowerTech for their distributed um, distributed power group. And and then from there, I ended up going into tidal energy. And I just had wanted to um, to move out and see what the renewable space looked like. And uh, And now with you know, hydrogen just coming back in such a big way. And when I worked for the government of Quebec, I could see, you know, how much things had progressed in the time that I was out of the industry and was regularly talking about it and was interacting with a lot of hydrogen companies. And I thought, now's the time to get back into this, into this hydrogen world. Yeah. Well, which is great. You're bringing such a broad perspective. So I'm sure it makes a, uh brings a lot of value to HTAC. So it sounds like you're pretty lucky to have you on board. Oh, I hope so. I, well, I love them. So it's, it's working out great. <laughs> Perfect. And, and just curious to see, so you've got these filling stations, so you've got, uh, see a uh, cross Vancouver and you're spreading out who, who's your customer base right now? So, um, we have our customers that are filling up at our stations. Um, so those are, you know, those are, the people driving the Marais and the uh, and the Nexos, and we also have the customers of who we're working with, like a municipality that says they want a hydrogen fueling station. We work with uh, the bus companies that want to want to get a fueling station. Um, we bring different parties together to um, to develop to develop these projects, and there's often a number of I would say different customers there. A lot of government customers, including municipal and then fleets, um, and there's just a, a, a range of a range of customers. Well, it's a, it's a lot more varied than I imagined. I figured maybe the you know the odd bus company or, or heavy truck company, but it's uh, yeah way more varied. And and how many Marais are there in in Vancouver? Is that a big segment of the, the market? I, I don't remember how many there are. Um, I know, well, Toyota just launched this amazing program with Lyft called the Kinto Share Program. And that's where they are um, offering up these Mirai vehicles on a weekly lease basis to Lyft drivers. So Lyft drivers can rent one of these or lease one of these cars a week for around $200. And um, a lot of Lyft drivers don't have their own vehicle. And so this is kind of neat. They get to use uh, a hydrogen vehicle and fill up at our stations. So, um, and we've noticed that the increase in hydrogen being dispensed at our stations has gone way up. So I thought that, I think we're around the 40 or 50 range of cars that are filling up right now at the stations. And okay. um, I'm not sure how many more cars Toyota has available for, um, for sale or for, um, or for leasing. But I know we're, we're always interested in, in getting more, more load into, into the lower mainland. And how? And just to get an idea, how long does it take to fill fill a fill a car up with, a, with one of your stations? So, I mean, on average, I mean, the the published stat is it's less than five minutes. What we're seeing at our stations is um, is quite frankly like under three minutes. Uh, once you get through all the process, maybe you're at four minutes. 
So, um, and we're finding that people are not necessarily running their car to empty. So, so they have less hydrogen to, to fill up with. So it's a lot of our, a lot of our fills are ending up at about three minutes. But I think if you were bone dry empty, you could probably do it in four. Okay. So it's fairly, fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We had um, Colin, our CEO, was quite happy the other day. He pulled in to the station at the same time, pulled into the uh, 7-Eleven station, SO station in North Van at the same time as another car. And he, uh, he beat them out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, and where do you see the future going? in this industry and hydrogen and fueling stations? Well, I see, I see our future going to zero emissions and, um, and hydrogen is part of that solution. It's not the only solution, but it's a part of that solution. And uh, the quicker we can get there, the better. So, you know, hydrogen is great. It's, I've heard hydrogen referred to as the Swiss army knife of fuel. And, and it's true. There's so many different applications that it can go for. And, and it's, it's in combination with, with, you know, with electric vehicles and with, with other solutions that are out there that are bringing us towards zero emission. So I really am excited that we've got a real possibility to, to get zero emission transportation and move that way in industry as well. So that's, that's where I'm, um, that's where I'm aiming and, there's going to be some low carbon solutions along the way. Um, and, and that's great. This is all about getting our, the costs down and, and getting there. We have to get there still. So, so it's not necessarily realistic to have zero emissions for everything in every application tomorrow um, or wait for 10 years until we can be at that stage because it takes this, this transition to, to, to decarbonize all of these sectors and, and, and we can show some, some major advancing on the way, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And, and that's really an, another great question too, is that timeline, right? Cause right now the world is, is setting goals for the most part for 2050 for decarbonization. Um, but I have to say with how fast things are changing over the last year, it's giving me hope that it's not going to take quite that long. So what, what do you see as the, how long, before we see mass market adoption of hydrogen, what kind of time well, frame? I'm 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 usually trying to push this front, and and so I'm quite uh, quite excited and want us to tackle as much as we can. Yeah. Um, we have, you know, just big plans to continue building out across the country, and I I don't really have the numbers on the tip of my tongue to to go out with, but we you know on average a station can fuel about 250 cars. And if you look, you know, extrapolate that out to fueling stations for light duty, if we want to say have 30% of the market, um, not HTEC, but if we want hydrogen to be 30% of the market, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stations. And then you're moving into heavy duty and um, medium duty applications. And there's going to be a big, a big build out of that as, as options across the country. Yeah, well, it sounds like in a decade, I imagine we'll see a major shift in the market, even even in a decade. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have just even in three years, there's, I mean, I just think of the, just the infrastructure that we're putting in place in the next three years, 
and and more people are getting getting into this um, into this industry, I think things are really really speeding up. That's good. And as and as the Canadian market, are uh, how many other players? Or I'm assuming you guys are the dominant player. Of course, there's there's other people involved in the in the industry as well. And there's uh, we we have competition in Canada. We are in the fortunate position of um, of having the most stations out there at the moment, and we would like to very much maintain a leadership position in Canada and are um, really really active in um, in supplying those solutions that are really helpful to people and and make hydrogen an easy choice. And um, I mean, we've got competition in the U.S. and uh, we're still looking at going into the U.S. markets and. Uh, partnering with Chart Industries has really helped um, us enable us to extend our reach, and um, it, so we'll just we'll see we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, I hear there's lots of opportunity for future group for HTech and anybody else in this industry. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, there is. There's room for everybody. What's that? A rising tide lifts all boats. HTech looking for any requests you have of. Uh, of the audience, or what would you like to leave with us? Um, well, for governments to still keep supporting supporting the industry by introducing these zero emission mandates, um, by by helping industries get off the ground, by supporting these early stage projects, so people can, so the public can see and understand them that um, that hydrogen is a is a really great alternative to um, to fossil fuels and um, and we can make hydrogen in various ways that are low carbon and um, so to continue and to increase your level of support from on the policy side and on the um, and on the early project support well thank you for being our guest and just yeah introducing us to the world of HTAC and what you're up to thank you very much Nick and it has been a pleasure to have you To hear more about our podcasts, showcase events, or on the FutureProof Network, please visit us at www.futureproof-network.com.